Welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, back into the Sports Buffoon Studios out here in Lenexa, Kansas. We got our boys over here, Tanner Dawson to my right. What's up, everybody? And Jason JG to my left. What up, yo? How's it going? What are you sipping on? You got, you, got, you got a wine glass going on in here already? What's going on here? Well, as you know, the rosé is one of my favorite wines that I like to drink, and this happens to be the Delta Rosé, mm-hmm. not to be confused with the Delta variant, but that mm-hmm. that was my drink of choice it's a for the of, day. It's a variant of wine, basically. It's your, it's it's a your variant favorite of wine. wine of the day. It makes sense. I like it. I like it. I got a little bit of four roses left over from this weekend here, so I'm sipping on that, and of course my big old jug of water. Big old jug of water like normal tanner. Where, where's that at? Where, how far are you down the night now? Oh, Sierra, I'm at the just past the five o'clock, so probably at six o'clock mark. Uh, I'll be done with that before I leave today. Do, do, you wa- do you wash that thing? I mean, we're on YouTube yeah, right now. I hope I'll wash it. All right. Put a just, little vinegar with it, and you're good. Save you. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was like a dirty old jug you've had for like t- 10 years it's now. My spit but... jug, my water jug, right. a little bit of everything jug. Like, I remember that one time your brother we've had on the show before, Connor, like, I think he, t- he took a drink out of a spit cup at one point. He did. That was funny. That's, that's one of the things, you know, <laughs> we saw that at one point. But, you know, that's that's a different story for a different day. But, uh, all right, you guys. Well, we had a, a really good week, though, overall, um, as far as football goes. I thought we got week two preseason was fun to watch because we got to see more of the starters, more involvement with some of the rookies as well. Um, Patrick Mahomes had 18 attempts in the Cardinals game in week two, which was awesome because... You know, we needed to see more of the offense and how that was going to run a little bit. Now, they're still playing it somewhat vanilla. I mean, we all know how things work as far as that goes. Um, but there were some all just miscues. I think Nicole mm-hmm. Hardman and Mahomes are still not quite on the same page yet at this point, uh, which is unfortunate because Nicole's going into his third year. I mean, this has to be the step-up period. And then we got guys on this team like Demarcus Robinson, who's been fielding punts now just uh, for the hell of it. I don't really know why. I've never understood why he's back there. <laughs> That's a nervous time. And even time. <laughs> uh, special teams coach you know, Dave Tobe is out there like, you know, he just drives me nuts. That's what he said this week uh, at, a, at an interview. He even said that on, on the offensive side that Demarcus Robinson does have to be more consistent and he needs to protect that ball better to be right. able to play as your every down back. He already he said it himself. He's not an every down back. And we know that, guys. We know this guy's not an every down guy. You mean every doubt, uh, wide receiver? Wide receiver. Okay, Sorry, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, playmaker, whatever you want to say. For a minute there, I thought you were talking about Patrick Mahomes being not being every down back. I'm well, like, wait a minute, who, hey, we whose got, fault is this? We got the competition in week one. Who's going to face the Browns? The Henny Killer? Well, this is a cutthroat. <laughs> this is a cutthroat Chiefs team at this point. You know why? They just cut uh, Anthony Gordon this previous week. He went seven for seven in the game. I mean, gosh, he went seven for seven. I mean, why didn't they cut him somehow? So, I don't know, guys. That's uh, something to keep in mind, but. Uh, yeah, Robinson pisses me off too. Don't, no worries out there about that. I, I think he's a buffoon. I mean, he would fit right in very, very well with our clan right here of doing a talk show and probably, you know, be more successful with that than he is fielding punt returns. So Correct. Uh, that is a Demarcus Robinson in a nutshell for you. But um, overall, you guys, I thought the game itself was much more enjoyable than it was week one. And I thought we saw a lot of really, really good things out of the defense, especially defensive line. This is back-to-back weeks now having five sacks in a row. Five sacks week one, five sacks week two. Um, and this week, I mean, we saw Chris Jones once again get involved. We saw an explosion of Chris Jones. I mean, we, and we also saw him move along that line and still mm-hmm. cause a wreck along that line. And I love seeing that. Yeah, and the versatility of defense, too. I mean, they weren't playing super vanilla, actually. They were trying to mix and match things here. And uh, they were calling a game where – they were blitzing some guys here, and, you know, Anthony Hitchens got a sack at one point. Jerron Reed ended up with a sack at one point. And then uh, DiCaprio Boodle ended up with a sack in the game as well, cornerback. That's so, right. You know, just guys to keep in mind uh, as far as the way things work here. Now, I'm saying some of these guys aren't going to be on the team when the season starts. DiCaprio Boodle, uh, unfortunately, is not going to make this roster. I'm just Probably gonna, on the outside looking in. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, but we did have some cuts this week. I wasn't too surprised by anything that came up. Uh, I thought it was a fairly normal cut list. Chiefs went from 85 down to 80. Um, now, I'm very happy about one thing. You guys might think I'm crazy. Some people are surprised out there in the Twitter sphere and the Facebook worlds out there. But the Chiefs cut Mr. Taco, one of Tanner's favorite players, probably because of his yeah. name. You know, Tanner loves tacos. But, it's not a lie. You know, <laughs> I mean, Taco <laughs> Charlton was cut from this roster. And my favorite thing was that Tim Ward stayed for another week. So in my mind, I'm like, come on, man. Keep fighting, make this team. It's going to be hard to do because the DN spot is, is is tough right now, and it's very filled yeah, up. Yeah, it is. With having Chris Jones move to the outside, 
it's a battle out there. You got six guys battling, and, and Joshua Kando and the rookie, of course, is involved in that. And uh, there's just a lot to unfold here as the next week goes through. Uh, but overall, you guys, I'm just going to be curious, Jason, about your thoughts on the week. Obviously, Juan Thornhill is one of the guys we've talked about last week. Uh, what's your insight mm-hmm. on what Juan Thornhill did to maybe recover that third safety role in this team? Yeah, I mean, he had that diving interception in the end zone, and I thought that was very impressive. Um, but for me, I mean, Chris Jones was the biggest impact player for me on the field. You know, the team itself had five sacks. Chris Jones had a sack and a forced fumble. And he, he's the most – he's the player that I'm most excited to watch throughout the whole season because I don't know as far as, like, overall, do you think – you guys think he's, like, the third or the fourth best player on the team. But he's going to be one of the biggest impact players this year. Um, as far as Taco Charlton, I was a little surprised. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be cut – uh, but we didn't expect him to be cut this early. I expected him to at least make it until Taco Tuesday, but they actually <laughs> cut him on Monday. So that for me, it was a big surprise that they cut him that but soon. Then he gets margaritas on Tuesday because he's off work. That's true. That, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get picked up. You know, Andy <laughs> Reid claims he's gonna be picked up by somebody. Maybe the Atlanta Falcons might get a little desperate and pick him up. Well, I wouldn't say desperate, right? So for Taco Charlton, I think it was more of a hey. We, we appreciate you. Obviously, there's not room on our team currently, but there's opportunity for you out here, and we're going to let you go now because there's going to be chances the Giants, the Atlanta Falcons, there's multiple teams out there that could use a guy. Uh, New York Jets, we just saw Carl Lawson, right? They could use a defensive line guy. They could Tanner, use a taco. The, they could use a taco This gives me team. hope. I just want to say, aside from Taco's perspective, from Chiefs' perspectives, this gives me hope for the defensive end's position because Correct. I, I just yeah. think that if you're willing to let go of a guy who was on your roster all of last year um, and so coming in before even cut-down data down to 53, I mean, he was cut in the first top 10 or, the, you know, the first yeah. 10 cuts of the, of the offseason here, preseason here. Um, that tells me right away the Chiefs see so much depth in this DN position that they're, like, not willing to waste time anymore even having him on the field. They see so much competition between Tim Ward, Joshua Kando, Alex Okafor, who's a, who's a 30-year-old veteran at this point, um, and then go, to go along, of course, with Frank Clark's of the world and, you know, Chris Jones. Now, Frank Clark pisses me the fuck off, but, you know, it's a different story for a different day right now. But, you know, anyways, that we should look at this in a positive way from the Chiefs' perspective because way, that means we've improved at the end position and in preseason, like I said, 10 sacks in two games, that is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, by far. And we've seen our defensive line just blow extremely up. So, hold on real quick here. I got a bookmark stat here. Uh, Craig Stout tweeted today, uh, it might just be the preseason, but the Chiefs' first team defense has allowed just 56 yards through seven drives, three total touchdowns, zero points. That's noteworthy. And I agree, Craig. That is very, very worthy of that. Like, that's that's the whole point. Defensive line is causing pressure, and our safeties – and linebackers are able to cover and shut down the receivers. So Kyler Murray didn't play week one in preseason. No. And week two he comes in and is so frustrated because the Chiefs keep forcing three and outs. The Chiefs' defense was stellar, absolutely, uh, throughout the so far the first two games, really. Um, very impressed with what they did, especially going against you know Cardinals offense. It does have a lot of firepower offensively, and especially against Kyler Murray, who uh, we'll talk about later on in the show about fantasy, but finished second mm-hmm. in quarterback points and, and uh, fantasy football last year. So uh, just okay. something to think about was, as far as that goes. That they, they were going against a very competitive team, and they held their own absolutely. I just think that they're molding themselves into a situation where it's a very versatile defense, very flexible. And we talked about Chris Jones moving inside-outside. Well, Legereus Sneed was used as a nickel a lot in this last game, as a matter of fact, mo- moving Mike Hughes more to the outside during certain situations. I just think there's like intertwinable, interchangeable kind of situations throughout all depths of this roster. Mm-hmm. I do want to see more to Willie Gay. Willie Gay did play against the Cardinals. He got one tackle. That was it. That's all he's attributed so far in the preseason. But otherwise, like the D-line, fully interchangeable. I think you can mix and match guys across the D-line to fit what's going to work their best. I think on secondary, corner-wise, you can mix and match and work guys in how they're going to fit best in that specific game on the game plan. Safeties. We already know. We talked about Juan Thornhill having a great diving interception, uh, having uh, Tyron Matthew and Daniel uh, Daniel Sorensen, and then as well as some of the young guys as well can be mixed and matched in there. So it just it tells me no one's stuck in one spot throughout an entire game. They're going to fit and mold how they need to adjust to each team throughout the entire season when it comes to game planning. 
Uh, so that's something to think about. Guys. It's just it's just depth. We haven't had yeah. this kind of depth on defense to be able to interchange, keep guys fresh, and just be able to perform, perform at elite level. And I think that's what we're going to see on the Chiefs defense come the start of the season is you're going to see guys move all the way around. We're going to see Chris Jones move all around the line. You're going to see Frank Clark possibly switch sides back and forth. Right? You're going to see Nick Bolton, Willie Gay at times, and Hitchens on the sidelines. And then you're going to see a Neiman Hitchens or, a Neiman, or some, some kind of mix within those four guys. It's, it's crazy to think that we've had, we have this kind of depth on defense because we haven't had it in such a long time. Okay, so, so moving to a different situation here. I asked you guys this question last week here on the show, of course, and it was kind of out of nowhere. You guys didn't like, I caught you guys off guard a little bit. I'm going to ask you once again the exact same question. If you had to pick right now, the Chiefs WR2, is it Byron Pringle or Miko Hardman? Hmm. Oh, dude, I got, I got to go with Byron Pringle at this Pringle point. Pringle now, so you switched from Hardman. I okay. have, yeah, I mean, well, Hardman is what I want, okay? That's what right. I want. Don't we all? But if I'm making that decision right now, it's got to be Pringle because Mahomes and McCole Hardman, are, they're just not on the same page right now. And Mahomes, I think they told him to force feed the ball in this last game to Hardman. They were trying, yeah. And, uh, you know, basically with Hardman, I mean, he had three targets, three receptions from zero to nine yards. But when you go up to 10 to 19 yards, he had three targets and zero receptions. Mm -hmm. 20 plus yards, he had two targets, one reception. And so those two are just not on the same page. And if you can't get on the same page with Mahomes, who are you going to get on the same page with? And so as of right now, I would take Pringle. But again, you know, Talent-wise, I hope that it ends up being Hardman, but he's got a lot of work to do, and those guys got to get on the same page. So I think for me, it is Pringle. Pringle is the two, I believe that, fully now after watching this last game. The reason why is the guy is going to make plays. The guy had an average catch of 15.8 yards in this game. Uh, Hardman, as many targets as he had, the guy only had 9.8, but he missed he missed a few throws that he probably could have should have probably gotten on that. And it's not Dana Hardman by any means. The reason I say Pringle, too, uh, Mike and I, we talked about this during the game as well. He's more of a blocking guy. He's more of the guy you want out there with Tyreek blocking on the runs. Mm -hmm. But he's also the guy you want on the other side, got a little bigger body as well than Hardman. Mm -hmm. And Hardman, and Mike and I talked about this here, just because he's not number two doesn't mean he's not going to get targets. It's called a slot, right? Be a slot guy. Hopefully to get Robinson completely out of the picture, which would be nice and put Hardman in that spot, and he's still going to get plenty of targets. It's like he's going to be the number two. Uh, I mean, it, let's be real. The number two position isn't really a number two. Uh, we've never really had a true number two. Watkins has always been out. That's not a huge deal. But if you have Pringle on one side, Hill on the other, and Hardman in the slot, you're still going to have a hard time covering because Pringle, Pringle can make those plays. He can make those hard plays, and we saw that as well last game. Yeah, and I prefer, as I told you guys last week, Pringle, I think, is the better overall football player mm -hmm. than what Hardman presents. If I had to compare anyone right now to Miko Hardman in the history of the Chiefs, at least recently, Donnie Avery comes to mind as far as a guy who, you know, he's, he's good at maybe a couple things here and there, but he's not consistent. Enough. I thought you were going to say Snoop. Snoop Menace? Snoop? No, 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 Snoop. No, no, it's not Snoop. <laughs> you know what I want Hardman to be? I want Hardman to be Eddie Kennison. That'd be there freaking amazing if that was the case. Awesome. But that's never going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, like, maybe I'm being a pessimist here, but um, I just prefer Pringle's skill set when it mm -hmm. comes to on the field. And like we talked about, like as you just mentioned, like you know, in the run game. And because, as you just said, we don't really have a true number two because it's situational. You know, you know situational offense. Tyreek's always going to be your number one, but... You know, when it comes to a game plan maybe more involving the run where maybe we want to get Clyde 25 touches, which that's going to happen maybe at some point throughout the season, Hardman's not going to see the field as much that game. You're going to see guys rolling in there like more Pringles um, and like more maybe even Cornell Powell, more the bigger-bodied kind of receivers that this offense presents. You know, if, yeah. if we're assuming Cornell Powell makes the team, of course. Yeah, and you talked about Clyde there for a minute too, right? So Clyde has this great opportunity with this great offensive line mm -hmm. to get above five yards average rushing the season. So 13 games, he had 4.4 .4 yards average per rush last year. Um, and, I mean, we have a boost not just offensive line, but you put a bigger body out there like Pringle or Powell or somebody, and then, of course, our tight end sets – like, we should be able to see Clyde get above the five-yard average this year. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. And then he only had four touchdowns in 13 games last year. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, agree. I, like, there's more. There's so much improvement go for up. Clyde's game right now. That's going to go up. That is, it's insane, especially yeah. from yeah. fantasy value. But, for but Tanner, he's also got to stay healthy. 
because we saw him have 13 a slight games, injury. AKA, AKA. Andy Reid said it's not a high ankle, so that is the best news yeah. of the week, you know, honestly. And, all and that's the point that I want to make with Clyde, and I, I agree with you both on Clyde, but if he is healthy, to me, the top three pass catchers on the team in order are Tyreek, Kelsey, and CEH, if he's healthy. Yeah. Because if Mecole or Byron Pringle, if they don't take, like, a giant step forward and become that number three pass catcher, to me it's Clyde as your number three. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely could be. I mean, that's a guy that could catch, you know, 60 passes a year easily. And especially in an offense right now where, you know, Daryl's not necessarily the number one pass catcher and Jerk McKinnon's been injured throughout most of his career. Clyde has good hands, absolutely. I mean, Clyde worked with uh, Joe Burrow at LSU running angle routes all the time. That was very common. He caught a lot of passes there at LSU. And, And so far, you know, Pat's also shown consistency throwing to smaller dudes so far in his career, Tyreek being 5'9". Uh, he somehow finds the way to put the ball in the right spot. <laughs> Pat knows how to throw to small guys. I don't know what to, what to think of that, but, I mean, it just is what it is at this point. He's got great ball placement. Uh, I did think it was kind of interesting, real quick, to hit back on the Hardman thing. Um, Andy Reid did credit, or credit that last-minute uh, lineup change as far as, you know, taking Tyreek out of the lineup um, over to Hardman's early struggles a little bit. And Andy Reid's quote was this. He says, he was a last-minute fill-in there at that position uh, of the third-year third year wideout. Um, he's got to be ready for that along with everything else. So he had a couple of things he'd like to have back, but it was great for he and Pat to communicate in a preseason game and just see how important that is. Get it on tape and see what we're talking about here. I mean, listen. As we all know, Andrew Reed with the I mean, listens. Uh, I mean, listen. He made some good plays, but he had a couple in there that weren't so good, but he kept battling, which I thought was important. He's playing fast and working hard, end quote. And so it comes back down to me for Pat and, and Hardman not getting together throughout the offseason, yep. throughout working enough through those kind of things, and especially with Hardman trying to work in and be the number two on this team. That needed to be happening throughout the offseason, and it didn't. And that's, that's why we're seeing some struggles right now. Now, and that's just so everybody knows, that's just as much on Pat as it, or Patrick as it is on uh, I agree. Hardman. Yep. Just as much. Yep, right? absolutely. I, absolutely t- I totally agree. I mean, if you're the leader of the team, which we all know Pat is, I mean, it, it is up to you as a quarterback there to do what you have to do to fit in time to work in with your receivers. Mm-hmm. And if so, for some reason Pat and Mecole didn't get together throughout the offseason, I mean, unless Mecole's BSing around with all kinds of excuses not on stop, then I think that's got to be on Pat. Because I tell you what, Tyreek and Pat get together. Tyreek and Kelsey get together. They make it a they party together. Yeah. And it's you know. not just about being the leader of the team. I mean, he's chasing the GOAT, Tom Brady. And what did Tom Brady do? every single year he wanted to work with all of his receivers during the offseason not just Mm -hmm. one guy he wanted to work with all of them and so if that's the guy that you're chasing you're pat mahomes you've got to make sure that that happens we saw that during the the game pat was frustrated with hardman Mm -hmm. during the game if we if we go back and rewatch some of that i mean there was there was a moment there in that game because you know pat wants hardman to be in certain spots at a certain time and he's not making the plays happen so pat's frustrated but you know, not to really bash on Pat so much, but it's like that does come back down to you. If you guys didn't work together throughout the offseason, communicate not just on the field but off the field before the season began, then that comes back to you as a leader of this franchise. I, and I, I think and I'm almost 100% certain in this. You know Patrick and Meikle are sitting there in the film room discussing stuff back and forth. You know mm-hmm. they're they're trying to improve exactly everything. I, I, I know they were after practice – uh, might have been the other day where they stayed after and they were running routes and they were trying to figure life out. So they're they're working on it. They're working on it. Hardman's working hard. He said his Instagram post saying, uh, "With the uh, is is Mikol, can Mikol be the number two guy? Right? That's his banner on Instagram. And that hey, that's fine. motivation, baby. That's great. I hope they, I see results though. If they want to work together in the film room, that's fantastic. But what did they do in the off season? I mean, if you didn't do shit during the off season, then. You, you could be a step behind guys like Tom Brady, who's you know working out with everybody. Well, I'll be I'll be very curious to see uh, how the things play out going into Week One against the Cleveland Browns here in just a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, very excited for that, obviously. But I mean, the cuts are coming up for this for this Chiefs team. Chiefs play here against the Minnesota Vikings coming up. Uh, it'll be at 7 p.m. once again Central 7 Time. 7 p.m. at Arrowhead. Finally. On Friday. You mean, you mean Giha Field? Giha, Giha. Giha Field. Giha. Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> okay, okay. It's The yeah. field's name's well, Giha. 
Tanner, Arrowhead Stadium. Hold on, Tanner. According to the Woke Casey Star, they said that it's much more of a ring to it when you say Geehaw Field rather than Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> so, I mean, you gotta you gotta battle with the guys at Casey Star over which more. Uh, uh, I, I, I think the more battle is probably with the Twitter. So, I, Twitter. That was the that was the the Twitter Arrowhead uh, all day Casey today. Star. <laughs> they they think it sounds better. But yes. you know why? It's not offensive. So. Whatever. I mean, I, anyways, I just like to say "geeha." I, I don't care how you say it. Just say it. So, we, Andy Reid already came out and said starters are expected to play throughout the first half, which I agree with because you know, that extra week off that would have been your fourth preseason game. You guys all right with that? Seems yeah, I mean, good. I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, Andy Reid is a guy who historically he wants to play his guys, his starters, longer. You know, mm-hmm. first quarter, second quarter. He does that more so than other coaches in the league, and I'm fine with that because, especially offensively, you want to find a rhythm before mm-hmm. yeah. you know game one of the regular yeah. season, and you, you just want to you want to get these guys chemistry, and that's what it's all about. So I have no problem with the starters playing the entire first half. Now I'd be surprised if that was to happen though. Coming in here for week three of the preseason, um, just to see starters play majority of the game. I still feel like they're going to treat it more as week four preseason than it used to be, where the starters play none at all or one series. Just from I, I, th- I think they would have if there wasn't that whole extra week of no games. That mm-hmm. fourth preseason week. Right, so we are skipping a, a week, of course. So it's skipping a bye. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's two weeks if you do that. That's two weeks of not having gameplay, not having mm-hmm. chemistry. He still has more chemistry to set up. Hardman, uh, Pringle, right? He has the White House yeah. to figure out. And then he also has offensive line with uh, Creed, especially snapping the ball and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling, feeling right. comfortable in the pocket. And I think that's the biggest thing. That's what we saw is he he was all right in the pocket, but he would scramble out because he's used yeah. to that feeling. So yeah. we got to give him a half. Let him get that. Let him be comfortable. Let him be like, oh, yeah. I don't have to run immediately. I can sit in this pocket for another one to two seconds and maybe find that extra guy a little easier than running out to the sideline and getting blown up. So Yeah, that's a really good point, Tanner, just bringing that up right there. I think they do need to work more in with the quarterback to offensive line right there. That works, you know, it's it's a brand-new O-line, brand-new center. Correct. Brand-new left tackle, brand-new right tackle. And so it's a thing where – uh, Pat, we saw that last week. He rolled out in a situation where he probably could have stepped up. He, he had at least and, another and, and two and seconds. at that point. <laughs> He's so so used to just taking a snap, and as soon as he feels any kind of pressure coming around, rolling outside to the right, rolling out to the left, whatever it may be, instead of stepping up, which is something one of my favorite quarterbacks in Chiefs history was amazing at, Trent Green. Mm-hmm. Trent Green trusted his offensive line because you know why? They were one of the best in the history of the game. <laughs> and so, if I take a minute for Patrick, just because right. he, the Super Bowl and, is probably still haunting him in the hits. <laughs> but, but, okay, going back to my old points we've said on the show here about ruining quarterbacks, having a bad offensive line can also ruin a quarterback Andrew Luck. early on. And to where you're never the same. And I'm hoping Pat can overcome the Super Bowl you know, down. horror of what would have <laughs> happened. You know, 496 scrambling yards behind the line of scrimmage. Most ever most ever pressured quarterback in the history of the Super Bowl out of all 55 games. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's horrifying. And so I'm sure it's still in his head. But you also remember, like, all those bums are not any longer your starter. Now, as soon as, like, you know, you know, Andrew Riley walks in. I mean, maybe, maybe then you can be a little worried. But you know, for now, give your guys the benefit of the doubt and be willing to step up in the pocket to make and deliver throws down the field rather than drifting and and rolling off to the left, rolling off to the right. It sounds like we're almost like bashing Pat Mahomes on this on this show today. It's weird. We're not meaning to. It's, it's constructive feedback. I mean, his QBR his criticism. QBR was like fifty five last game. I mean, I think Chad Henney might be the boy to go here. No, he he's gonna <laughs> he's, he's gonna trust his offensive line because none of these teams that he's gonna play in the regular season are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And by the way, there's no guarantee that he's even gonna face the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl this time around. I, I mean, so have you, seen, you may never even have to face them ha, in the playoffs. Have you seen that first week of the that defensive line we're gonna face for the Browns? No, uh, that's fine. They, they got they got some names on that line that, that can cause some havoc. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It, it, maybe it does take him a game or two that's to be saying. able to trust yeah. that offensive line. That's great. Sooner the better. But he's he's got to get over it, dude, and step up in the pocket and yeah. make throws. I agree. And tone with you on there, Jason. Mm-hmm. We got we just got to mentally fight through that whole thing and get through it that way. 
Um, so any guys, anyway, guys, um, do we have any surprise cuts that you guys have in mind um, here wrapping up the preseason? Because next time uh, you guys out here hear from us, it will be after, after the, cuts. the cuts of after week three preseason, and we will know the final 53. Now, we're going to sit here with you and go over our entire list of the final 53, <laughs> like some guys will do, where they say, burr, burr, burr. we're going to go, here's 55, here's 54, down to 53. Now we're going to do that. We're just going to let you guys know um, if you guys have any surprise cuts potentially on your mind the Chiefs could come up with here <laughs> that would shock Chiefs Nation. I don't know. You got any hate, Jason? Can no. you hate? Uh, no surprise uh, cuts. Uh, all right. I'm good. All okay. right. <laughs> put it out there. Um, I think McKinnon will be your surprise cut for the running back group. And they would keep, in that case, Derek, Cor- Derek, Derek Gore. Excuse me. Derek Gore. No, he ran out of bounds instead of touchdown. Well, uh, no, people's, people said out actually online I, it was I defe- a smart thing to do. I defended him. But I mean, he should have not run out of bounds if you were going to do that. In my mind, if I'm a fourth-string running back, I'm scoring. I go get the touchdown. I'm scoring. So I'm not running yeah. out of bounds either to, if we're going like, to just need like, the ball here, Here's after. the thing. We're not trying to win necessarily. It's a preseason. If I'm a rookie running back, or he's in his second year, but if I'm in that situation, I go get a touchdown. I don't screw around running out of bounds. Correct. Get a field and get the It's touchdown. also a young guy that's sitting there trying to figure out what the world's going on. And he, he probably shouldn't have ran out of bounds in the first place. He was looking for the first down marker, right. and he knew. So, Anyways, go ahead. outside of that, I think Jarek McKinnon actually gets cut uh, on this group. It's I, I don't have a huge amount of reasons, just the way – it's kind of lining up similar to uh, a few years ago. We had the C.J. Spiller debacle and all that. It's kind of lining up that way. But it also depends if uh, uh, Darrell Williams is going to be – or Darrell Williams is – is he health, if, is he passed that concussion protocol? So that's going to be a huge thing. He might start on pup. Okay, uh, real quick. Kemp, Fountain. Which one? Who cut? A, Who gets a, cut? That's a very good question Who right there. Who gets cut? Here's the thing. Kemp has been around this team now for going into four years. And he's the he's the one that's proven himself so far at this point. Now, at this point, Fountain has put up a good production in preseason games, and he wants an opportunity. But the problem is this receiver group, you know, we keep normally six receivers. One is a pure special teamer. And Marcus Kemp's always been in that situation where he's the guy. I think the Chiefs roll with whoever's going to be performed better at special teams. We don't care about what you've done well, on the know field. That. Like, here's the thing. Like, and Fountain had a, a great catch for 40 yards down the sideline. Yep. That's awesome. Um, but I feel like, you know, at this point, Marcus Kemp's proven himself as a special teamer, and he's in the goods of Dave Tobe. And at the end of the day, I think that's what's going to matter yeah. for that sixth Kemp, receiver. Spot. Kemp had one catch last week for 36 yards, mm-hmm. and then uh, Fountain had three catches for one, one was for 41, and then he ended up with 54 total, 18 average. So, like, the guy's got three targets versus one, but I think the Kemp project era is over. over. I think I think they go for the new guy, the fresh face, and be able to see what Fountain can produce here. Very interesting there. So then, in that case, um, I'm assuming you know with the drafting of Nick Bolton on this team at linebacker, you might think Dorian O'Daniel could be cut from this yeah. roster as well. He's on the fringe. He's, um, he's actually so. one of the guys I, I kind of like, but yeah, I think he. He might be on his way out. Because we're looking at special teamers right now at this point as far as the fringe kind of guys that could or could not make this team. Um, I think another one that's kind of on my radar of guys who could be cut at this point, um, you're looking at your Bo Peak Keys, who was taken last year in the draft, going up against a DeAndre Baker, who I think will definitely make this team. Um, And then you have, you know, your your Chris Lammons and so on. But I mean, Devon Key, who we we spoke about big time, had another mishap on this last game. He could be on his way out, too. Yeah, because the Chiefs like him a lot. We talked about they that last like week him. quite a bit. I mean, he's a practice squad guy if, as long as he doesn't get signed, but I don't think he stays on the main but, 53. But Tanner, how many safeties did he want to keep? Because, I mean, if you you got if you let go of Devon Key, then you got Armani Watts to fill in. So you got, at that point, Armani, Armani Watts, Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen. That's four safeties. But then do you keep a fifth, or do you, you know, because normally they actually like that's, to keep extra yeah, safeties compared tough. to corners, but... This depends on the, the state of the team and the roster and all that. Because, first of all, Rashad Fenton better be kept on this roster. I like uh, him a lot. Yeah. He's a good player. Uh, Mike Hughes obviously is staying. Um, obviously, I mean, Travis Ward's going to stay. Your corners, I think you've got Sneed, Fenton, DeAndre Baker, Ward, DeAndre Baker, Mike Hughes. Right. So, I think those guys are set That's in stone. Five. My, my biggest worry and my biggest question about the defense for me, anyway, is my boy Tim Ward. How he could be at some point here let go. Uh, because the defensive end spot, you're, you're filled up with your Frank Clarks, your Chris Jones, 
Mike Dana, Alex Okafor, Kane Doe, and then Tim Ward. Those are your six DNs. It's but crazy. The thing is, I've heard some rumors um, that potentially Cornell Powell could be on the way out yeah. in this roster. And that being because he hasn't contributed so much as special teams, whereas the Chiefs like guys like the Marcus Camps of the world or like you just talked about the Darius yeah. Fountain. Um, so if they keep those, if they keep five wide receivers, you guys, can they keep four tight ends? Because they have to. That's the, uh, the the name of the game right there. Because the Chiefs do not they have to. The Chiefs do not want to move on from Joe, Jody Forston right now because he's looking good. He's got potential. I, putting on weight. I think. I think you take the hit in the offensive line depth. I think you take the hit in the offensive line depth. You got young guys starting. Young guys starting that are healthy. To keep a couple guys around. Take take some cuts there. They got to be smart. It's yeah, not gonna it's, be look, it's gonna be tough. There's it's gonna, gonna be tough. Veach and Reed the, have a hell of a job ahead of them. This year will be the one of the first years where you're seeing the, the cuts come down, and I'm gonna go, oh, damn it, you know, because a couple guys probably are gonna <laughs> yeah. be let go. That you're I didn't want to let like, go. Ah, dang. It's just, yeah, it's gonna happen. Is what it is. State of state of the roster, basically. So real quick, Mike, do you agree with him on McKinnon? Because I don't necessarily think McKinnon's gonna get cut. I mean, he's. That guy, no. I mean, he hasn't. He doesn't have that much mileage on those legs. I mean, I think he's at, he's hey, got I'm, a lot more to give. I'm just throwing a surprise in on surprise out there. That could be one. I, I'm not going to go. I'm going to agree with McKinnon because I think McKinnon serves a purpose on this roster, especially as a third down or pass catching kind of running back. Special teams guy. Uh, I think Darwin Thompson has proven himself probably at this point where not necessary <laughs> to be on the team. He gone. And Derek Gore <laughs> doesn't even be on the team. So for me, your your running backs are Clyde, Daryl, and Jarek McKinnon. Okay. So. Those are your three. I just feel like Darwin is definitely off this roster at this point. No use for him at this point. He is what he is, and he can go, you know, hopefully have success somewhere else. But, um, anyways, this this roster is going to be tough to narrow down without a doubt. Yeah, There's a lot a of one. depth here from position to position, and it's hard to go through. All right, guys, so I'm glad we got that off of our chest for now for the Chiefs segment of our show. Uh, we will be speaking, of course, much more to you guys as we go on. Um, but to get a little bit of news from the NFL today, we saw Teddy Bridgewater is now officially named the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos, and I think that's a, the, the right choice for the Broncos if they want to win games now. Mm-hmm. I think if they wanted to see more out of Drew Locke, then he could have been the better option because he's still the younger and you know going into year three, whereas either hey either you got it or you don't. Whereas now the Broncos were almost telling me they don't believe in Drew Locke. At this point, even though in preseason he's actually not looked bad, he had a couple of good throws. The dude's got actually a good arm. The dude's very talented. Teddy's also been more efficient so far in preseason, 16 and 19 throwing so far at this point. Um, I just think they're going with the guy that's going to help them win the most games now. And part of that probably comes down to the fact that this team's been bad for a while now, and they want to have give themselves a chance to win. And we saw Drew Locke yeah. in his first year starting. He was undefeated till he played Kansas City. And then played Kansas City in Kansas City, and we pushed his, you know, poop back into his own butthole. <laughs> and let's put it that way. And so, you know, he wouldn't ex- he nice didn't enjoy way. that too much. It wasn't it wasn't a great I've never heard of sure. that before. Can you, can you explain that to me a little bit more? I've never heard of that. Interesting. But, you know, here's the deal. Like, I agree with the Broncos' decision because Teddy gives you the best opportunity to win. You're with a franchise that's been pretty awful since Peyton Manning left. And you do have talent on your roster. I mean, Melvin Gordon's a you know, serviceable running back. Probably undervalued in some fantasy situations, considering Philip Lindsay's gone. But your, your receivers, I mean, you got Cortland Sutton we just talked about last week. Uh, Jerry Judy we just talked about last week. Noah Fant is your tight end. There's weapons there without a doubt. I mean, this isn't the worst roster by any means of the, of the entire league. Teddy, oh. I think, is also a guy who's, I mean, how old is he, 30? 30, what I mean, is he, 32, I, I think. I here's the thing. His career has never fully matured. I feel like he's a dude that still has a lot to, uh, you know, give to football. And especially coming from where he came from, you know, he, he was the guy before Lamar, you know. Now he's 28. 28. 28. Boom, even better. All right, so my point is that that was a great decision for the Broncos. I think that Drew Locke. If they don't believe in him, let him go. You know, it's it's one of those deals where you know if uh, if you if you're with your girl for a bit and you feel like you know she's uh, shit in the bed, then you know he's gotta move on. You know, let let her go find some new new meat to go chew on. <laughs> and so for Drew Locke, that needs to be the case at this point. Yeah. Now they're gonna hold on to him. You know why? Because they also have that fear of loss, which comes along with those relationships. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this got deep. <laughs> so Teddy is their, you know, he's their secure, I know what you're going to give me kind of a guy, and you're going to produce. You're going to at least give me eight wins. You know, at least eight solid wins. Make me feel like I'm important. But, you know, Drew Locke is the one that I really want to be successful, but he's not always there for me. Yeah, Teddy is always going to put out. And he's that's always going to put out. That's why I but, agree with you. I think that the Broncos made the right decision yeah. here because, I mean, bottom line is, you know, Broncos aren't going to be winning the Super Bowl this year. So, uh, you know, there's a chance that Drew Locke could still be the franchise quarterback maybe next year. But, Who knows? But you know what you're going to get out of Teddy. I liked what I saw out of him when he was with Carolina. And so he's got he brings experience to the table and he he seems like a guy that you can depend on week in and week out. So I do think they they made the right decision. And guess what? If he starts playing like shit, which I don't believe he will, I think he'll be Mr. Consistency, then you can throw Drew Locke in there week 5, week 6, who cares? Whatever it is. You're not winning the Super Bowl, just throw whoever the hell you want in there. Yeah, I I mean Teddy guys last year finished uh, 3,233 yards versus Drew Locke's 2933. Uh, pretty similar stats on the TD interception range. Teddy at 1511, Drew Locke 16 for 15, uh, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. And then the QBR was 48-8 for Drew Locke and 64.1 for Teddy Bridgewater. Look, Denver brought in Teddy Bridgewater for the vet experience. He knows what they're you know what they're going to get with Teddy. Period. And he knows that he can lead the team. Look what he did with Carolina at the beginning of the season before he got hurt. They were in some kind of position possibly to to make a, a run in that conference. And then he got hurt and everything. And then McCaffrey got hurt and it all exploded. Look what he did with the Saints, right? When Breeze went mm-hmm. out, he, he won every game he played. The guy has experience. He just I think this team that he has here, he could take them somewhat to that next level. And I think that's what uh, – you know they're looking for in Denver, and I I love it. I love the, I love the fact. I'm not surprised by it because this is who should have been when you traded for him. This mm-hmm. this shouldn't have been a question in the beginning, but it was. Well, it was it, it was a question, Tanner, because they also wanted to still give Drew some time. You wanted to give Drew some time, but you all knew Teddy was going to start. I don't know. Man. You brought the vet guy in for a reason. Drew's going into year three, and they've also publicly said they know that they believed in him here and there, but they've also publicly said that he's got a lot to work on. So, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I love the fact that Teddy's starting. It's going to be – it'll give us more competitiveness, I think, when they play the Chiefs. So it'll be a little bit more fun to play him. It's not quite Aaron Rodgers like Jason was hoping, but it's Teddy. Yeah, I'm cool with all. <laughs> uh, also, guys, by the way, there's a couple more things in the news today, of course. Um, we did see, by the way, uh, one of our guys we talked about here on the show in fantasy, Travis Etienne, is now out for the season due yeah. to a leg injury. And so now at that point, James Robinson steps into the full-time role once again, like he was last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, uh, you know, the guy was undrafted rookie, put up over 1,000 yards rushing and 49 catches as well last year as a rookie. So, I mean, that's phenomenal work right there. Um, he's a little undersized, kind of reminds me of Priest Holmes as far as his his height and weight and all that, and also some of his uh, just strength. The dude's, the dude's pretty stacked. Um, he's got some of that muscle to him um, where, you know, showed good hands. So I think, you know, with that offense, that's going to be interesting to see how if that can continue on with a new quarterback, yeah. and Trevor Lawrence, and if, see if that comes, comes into fruition because Carlos Hyde is our number two running back over there at the Jaguars. And we all have our thoughts about Carlos Hyde, but James Robinson, I think, deserves to have one more full year to see what he's capable of and see if he's a true, you know, let's, let's assume he's not going to be a one-year wonder. Where he had a, you, guys, you guys realize he finished in the, the top ten in, art in running backs this past year in fantasy? Yep, yep. So something to keep in mind. Um, so something to think about as things roll around. We'll talk about that a little bit here in a few minutes on the show. Uh, and then there was like something else, Tanner. Something else happened in, in NFL. What, what all happened after that? Well, we had Teddy. We had uh, Travis get hurt. Um, big trade. Big trade in the NFL. Oh, the big what? trade. Sony Michelle. There it is. Sony Michelle that. from the yeah. Patriots to uh, uh, um, the Rams. So yeah. I mean, Sony Michelle, who was drafted before Nick Chubb. Yes. Drafted yes. before Nick Chubb. Wow, what a failure. It's amazing. But you know what? That's what the Patriots do. He's the GOAT coach. He can do whatever he wants. And Dar- so Daryl Henderson currently for the Rams, he has a thumb injury going on right now, which is a concern because that's ball security right there. 
Um, so that brought in Sony, hopefully, to help with that death and be more, be more and flexible. And they needed it, Tanner. When I, I mean, let's be real. At, when I'm looking at that roster, I'm like, this is a Super Bowl caliber roster. If you and then look you at hit it, the running backs? Like, this is, well, <laughs> well, here's the thing. You get to the running backs, and I'm like, okay, this team's going to throw the ball 650 times, is what I looked at when I look at their roster. Because, you know, Daryl Henderson Jr., which is also just a receiving back, like, that's going to be your starter. I mean, you, I saw that, and I'm like, well, oh, yeah, Stafford's going to really throw this for the probably the most ever attempts ever in history. Again. And, well, right, again. <laughs> again. So it's, it's like, well, I left Detroit, and now I'm back in Detroit, but just in a different city. West uh, Detroit. Right. So, anyways, uh, yeah, that, that was absolutely a bunch-needed move to add him to the mix because at least it gives you a little bit more depth for the for the time mm-hmm. being, at least. Um but otherwise, like I, I think this is a team that should should not give up on trying as well. Like if Sony Michelle ends up not being what they expect him to be, like be willing to make more moves because this, if I'm the Rams, like I'm planning on making a push for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, if you have one good game and that's all it takes in this league, you could beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. Right. If they have a mediocre day and you have a good day, you're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like so if, if Aaron Donald shows up and the rest of that defense and demolishes Tom Brady and, and yeah. the Bucks, that's. Because you get a top five defense already with the Rams. Yeah, if you get that offense to where they're just top fifteen, I mean that alone makes you a Super Bowl contender. So yeah, it's just something to, to think about. But so kind of interesting too to see how this next preseason goes with everybody. And but. also, well, I'm curious about how they use him too. Sonny Michelle, mm-hmm. you know, he was originally drafted to kind of be their uh, ground back, I should say. Meanwhile, they had their pass catching backs out there where they had the Rex Burkheads of the world and James all Whites. these all these James Whites still running around and stuff. And Michelle was supposed to be their dude that was kind of like just a ball handler kind of dude. And so we never got to really see him um, expand outside of that or be given the ball more than, you know, just sparingly. Yeah. And so I think with the Rams, I think there's a chance for that, for him to be, honestly, you know, a split backfield or potentially he, he could take the starter day, day one. Yeah. I think it's also a potential. It's a better situation for him, I think. For him, absolutely. Yeah. And for the Rams, too. I think it's a win-win for both sides there. Yeah. So. Anyways, you guys, is that is that our uh, topics of the day that we've we've all seen come out over the course of the last 24, 48 hours or so? That's everything I've seen, so. Well then, in that case, we're going to transition you guys over to some fantasy discussion, which is why you all came to our show in the first place, because we are the most woke and also the most aware of all fantasy <laughs> establishments out there, besides the fantasy footballers, the, the, fan, the fantasy footballers are probably the, probably better than us. I'm not gonna lie. I like those guys. Those guys are pretty damn good. They're like pretty them. woke too, when you think about it. They're very, they're very woke. They're very and they're, woke. they're 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 very informative, which yeah. is the most important part. Uh, all of their segments <laughs> they do. So I gotta say, those guys are phenomenal. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, just YouTube, fantasy footballers. Also subscribe here before you do that, so that way you don't leave our channel because we matter the most. All right, so. <laughs> Um, guys, I want to talk about a little bit today. We're going into our draft here in the next, uh, what is it, how many days away are we? 10 days away from our draft, right? Yeah. 10, 11 days 10, from 11. our draft, which is probably most of your drafts out there. So we will have a show next week, by the way. We're doing a very live mock draft um, on the show right here in front of everyone where we are being picking from different spots, and we'll be making our selections and then letting you out there in the audience know what selections we've made and why we made them. So something to think about going into the next week. But for now, I want to also give you guys some insight on some guys we have in mind that are maybe overvalued or undervalued going into your draft at home. So uh, for me, I want to I want to start it off with some overvalued guys. And so if we can get to that first, I want to get to our sleepers, which is always the most fun part of the show. So I'm going to give you the bad news before I give you the good news. So my bad news is still, once again, you all should know this, Joe Mixon is overvalued, <laughs> once again, because he's overvalued every single year. Um, so he's right now currently ranked as 21 on the ADP list. Um, do not fall for the trap. I mean, he hasn't finished in the top nine um, top nine overall uh, as a running back ever in his career. So keep that in mind. Um, and also, I mean, you're going to look at the basically touchdown pr- production over the course of his career has never reached over 10 in one season. So... There's also injury concerns about Joe Mixon, and I understand we are all excited about Joe Burrow, and maybe maybe that's going to make a difference on this roster and the way he performs. Could to a degree, but if you're looking at Joe Burrow, he's currently going at the end of your second round. Do not waste your second round pick on 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 uh, excuse me, uh, Joe Joe Mixon. So, so would you wait and hold out for uh, was it Samahe Perine, the backup running back? No. I'm not, I'm not, no, we're not. We're not you didn't even touch anything. 
until it's, after the fifth. Is it Samaje Perine? Samaje. Perine? Perine. Yeah. No, he sucks, Tanner. All right. All right. So he's awesome. He, he's, he's, <laughs> Tanner, do you remember the game when Samaje Perine had 400 yards rushing against KU? <laughs> oh, Oklahoma guy. Yeah, I'm going to pass. I'm not going to remember. Don't that. Take, I don't want to remember. But Tanner, that. your own team gave up 400 yards rushing to Samaj P. Ryan. That was out of the conference, formerly known as the Big 12. <laughs> we're, we're formerly little, known as Big 12. We're, we're a little rough <laughs> in football, guys. It's all right. Tanner, you, you forgot the guy that set the all time rushing record yeah. against Kansas. Yeah. I forget the bad stuff, so I forget the last and few seasons. And he goes to the NFL since 2008. Su- <laughs> how do you feel about Kansas allowing a guy who sucks in the NFL to then set the record for college football against your team? Everybody's good at college. Look at Tebow. Tebow was good. He's probably the best player to come out. Just, just, just letting you know. I mean, and now he's back. Well, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some credit, Tanner, because shortly it was broken by uh, Melvin Gordon. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon ended up breaking the record uh, like <laughs> a week later. But regardless, it was like 430-something yards. I don't know. But anyways, guys, all I'm saying is do not touch Joe Mixon. Some people think, oh, he's going to bounce back because Burrow's healthy and they get drafted J.Mar Chase and offense <laughs> and this and that. No, no, don't do it. Don't it's touch the Bengals. Do it's not. The Bengals. Correct. It's the Bengals. <laughs> it's the Bengals. Do not touch his dick. Leave it at fucking alone. Let it stay limp. Move on to a bigger dick. T- Jason, go. All right. A couple guys that are overvalued, in my humble opinion, which also so happens to be a fact. Um, you've got Mike Evans of the Buccaneers and Chris Godwin. So they're sitting right close to each other. Mike Evans. ADP 35.9, Chris Godwin 35.7. The reason I have them overvalued is because too many mouths to feed in Tampa Bay. Brady's got Antonio Brown, second year in the offense. He's got Gronk. He's got Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard. Now he's got Gio Bernard. A lot of mouths to feed. And as much as I love Chris Godwin and Mike Evans as players, those are not two guys you're going to be able to depend on week-to-week in fantasy football. So I think they are slightly overvalued, and, uh, you know, you got to go elsewhere if you're going with your 35th overall pick. I like that, actually, because, yeah, you got a full offseason of Antonio Brown and Tom Brady practicing together. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from He could be the number one. Team. Yeah, he that's what I'm saying. I'm saying right now there's a lot of talk with him and Tom Brady, so I – yeah, I would, I would I feel horrible for Godwin because Godwin also has some of the best hands in the NFL. Like, his catch percentage is amazing. Like, he does not drop passes almost ever. And to be replaced by well, Antonio Brown well, would be so Godwin also joined the team back up without getting a huge, massive deal, which he could have got anywhere else. So that's also a horrible thing for Godwin, but maybe, I don't know. It's not horrible, Tanner. You know why? Because it's all about rings. How many rings can you accumulate? <laughs> Stats, money, we'll see. All right, guys. So mine's gonna be unpopular opinion, uh, but stay away from T.J. Hawkinson, Detroit Lions tight end, ADP fifty point one. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, guys. Hang on. I got some stuff for you here. We're gonna talk about this. Well, we're surprised, Tanner. We we thought you were gonna go opposite. See, you yes, think I would go T.J. at some point. Yeah, but you don't. You don't go T.J. Okay. So, real quick here. So, the tight ends uh, in the middle of the pack, so rounds between four through nine, have always struggled throughout the season. Um, so that's And that's actually a fact. So, dating back to 2010, we have seen a total of 72 tight ends selected in the rounds five through seven. And of those, uh, end of those, 72.1 uh, delivered their fantasy man- managers a uh, crappy season, essentially. The one guy to actually give you a season – since then, it's George Kittle 2017. He's the one guy between those rounds that actually did something. And since then, I mean, every like anybody else, you can't even touch him. So don't draft a tight end between those rounds. Uh, as far as uh, also looking at Goff as well, so new quarterback, right? It's not Stafford throwing in the guy. Jared Goff, 2019, threw to the tight end 149 times total. That was, and that's targets. That was just barely above Cooper Cup and Robert Woods' targets individually. 2020, threw to tight ends 122 times total compared to Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup's 124 targets individually and Robert Woods' 129 individually. The guy doesn't throw to tight ends. Besides, like he was a cra- it was a crappy team in 2020. We all know that. We all saw that. He doesn't go to the check down. He's throwing it deep or he's throwing it off to the back. So do avoid TJ at that point. I'd say wait, you know, definitely wait maybe three rounds. And if he's still there, grab him. 
but I would not touch him at 50. Yeah, yeah, and, and while that. while we're trashing the Lions, why don't you go ahead and throw in DeAndre Swift into that argument? You can avoid him too, right? Yeah, we're not yeah, drafting man. any Lions players Wait, on this show. We did hey. talk about that earlier today, Jason. <laughs> you and I, you and I sat there together going over some things, and we talked about DeAndre Swift. One of my problems with DeAndre Swift is honestly, like, he's not as talented as you guys think he is. So those people out there are just like, oh, you just we just got this super talented running back, you know, this quick guy, this and that. It's like. He's actually not that talented. He's he's going to be splitting reps with Jamal Williams. We all know sure, this. Sure, sure, of course. I mean, that, that's going to be a thing. My big thing with, with him still is that he's overrated as a player. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've watched enough of him from Georgia. And, you know, I, as you guys know, I love to scout guys and sit there for hours on end and sip on whiskey and, on, and so on. And uh, DeAndre Swift's one of those guys where, like, I was trying to buy into it. And, like, I was trying to like him because everyone else did. But I was, like, trying to give it time. And I would sit there and I'd watch his, his his game clips, and I was like not impressed whatsoever. He's a he's a guy that would fit really well with Denver and some of the scheme that they run offensively. Um, but with the Lions, it's a completely different kind of scheme from what's going to work for a style of runner like he is. Yeah. Which I hate when that happens when when certain guys get drafted to the wrong team. And Swift's one of those guys I think just got drafted to the wrong team and. You're going to be lucky to see much production out of him, you know, at all like consistently. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, big surprise. The Lions are going to ruin his career just the Thank way you. that they yep. ruined everybody else's yep. career. Yep. That's, what I, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's yeah. exactly what Barry I'm saying. Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, they like to ruin players. Almost Matt Stafford. Yeah, so Tanner, so, so then let me ask you this one for about TJ Hawkinson real quick. So last year he had 101 targets, yep. 67 catches, 723 yards. And six touchdowns. That's respectable numbers, absolutely, for a year two tight end, absolutely. Um, so you think those numbers go up or down? Uh, I th- I think they go down this year because you don't have Stafford. Your wide receivers, yes, your wide receivers aren't really good. Yeah, Tyrell Williams is the number one right now, right? But mm-hmm. Jared Goff is good at forcing so bad. the receivers. Yeah, it's bad, dude. So bad. <laughs> I was looking at it yesterday, but I My, the, the only, thing, only reason why I don't I don't think he he progresses is so, because of the quarterback play. So the thing is, then Tanner, those those numbers got to go somewhere. Like I think they, Tyrell, I, I think Tyrell, you is, end up about the same. Is Tyrell Williams going to be a thousand yard receiver? Uh, no, I doubt it. No, but like so, then what receiver is going to take over the numbers to see, then take the, up what? T. That's T. what Detroit's going to do. Detroit is going to be a run heavy team. They're going to go oh. running backs majority of the time, and then hit everybody else with the wideouts. He doesn't go to the tight ends. Oh, the good news is, you guys, both the guys we've been talking about between Swift and Hawkinson have both been a little injured and banged up throughout preseason. They have been. So ankle injuries. Keep that in mind. We have injured bums on the horizon potentially. So <laughs> something to think about Correct. as we move on here. Correct. Well, I, I have my, a couple of my guys. Two more. I just want to throw out real quick. Um, as far as guys, that I just I guess I dislike. Uh, we talked about it a little bit ago, Jason. Who who was it we discussed a little bit ago? We both had an agreement on a couple. Um, Deion Swift was one of them on the radar. Miles um, Gaskins is mine, and we talked about that a little bit ago. Wait, wait, a couple wait, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he's one of mine. He's ranked now 47th on an ADP list, and I'm not a fan he whatsoever. He went up to 47. He's at 47 based on the previous list I just looked at. So maybe mine. I might be outdated a day or two. I'm not sure, but. If his ADP is 47 or anywhere anywhere even close to there, I'm not touching it. So here's the reason why I like Miles Gaskin. I've talked with a few people, and there are drafts out there where he is falling into the 80s, 90s, and 100s. Okay, that's and more if, fair. if that's the case, I mean, you're going to get huge value out of him, especially if Tua takes a step forward this year. I mean, I like the Miami Dolphins. I think they're going to be a good team this year. So I'll take a good running back on a good team any day, and I think if you can get Gaskin, even at around like the 80 to 85 range of ADP, I think that's a great pick. But, no, I'm totally with you. I mean, if his ADP is 40, I mean, he's a guy that's nobody, nobody's going to reach for him, right? No. So it, to me, I think he's definitely the guy that he's going to be falling in a lot of drafts. And if you, if you see him sitting there at like 75, 80, I'm all over Miles Gaskin because he's, like, he's, he's a good enough player to get me that value. Yeah, so updated ADP for Yahoo guys. He's at fifty six point four. That's so a little better. Falling. It's that, a that, little that better, but help. not quite. I, I agree with you, Jason, on the eighties. So, all right, so let's move on to our sleepers, you guys. We give our overvalued sleepers. To me, are always more fun. Um, for me, number one, Henry Ruggs the third. Absolutely, right. I want to demolish this. He is their WR one right now with the Raiders. Um, his ADP right now is one twenty three, which gives him, which makes him the wide receiver fifty. So he's the fiftieth ranked wide receiver on all boards 
and he's the Raiders' number one. Like that, that's that's amazing to me. He was also you know taken as you guys know in the top ten last year in the draft. Um, I think for the th- thing to me, he's going to be moving more to the inside as a slot, almost like Julio did with Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm. and that came about with the Falcons years ago. And so Ruggs in the, in the slot, I mean, he's going to run shallow crosses up your ass. And so it's going to be phenomenal to see those things unfold with his kind of speed he has. Um, his projections right now, based on his ADP, is 49 catches, 750 yards, and four touchdowns. I promise you he will demolish those numbers, and especially in that kind of an offense. He will work better out of the slot than he ever did as an outside receiver. This will absolutely work. I got one more before I, I – I, Russell Gage is another big one for me. Absolutely, he's going to put up good numbers. His ADP is 171. Draft him. I promise you, you will get good return on your investment. Matt Ryan loves him. Uh, but my other one before I throw it to you, Jason, uh, Hubbard, still from Carolina over there. He's one of my super sleepers. Chubba. He, he's the perfect blend of height, weight, speed. Guys, he ran a 4.36 at the pro day. Are you kidding me? Six foot tall, 210 pounds, runs a 4.36. Jesus Christ. Uh, ADP 164. And if something happens to McCaffrey again, guess who's going to take over? Not Mike Davis because he's a bum. We're going to take over with Chubba Hubbard. So right quick before I go, since you mentioned Henry Ruggs, like his ADP is fairly low. He's kind of the opposite of Gaskin, which we talked about earlier. So Ruggs is going up the charts. Gaskin is going down. My question to you, Mike, is do you think that that is going to affect the production of Darren Waller this year? Do you think Ruggs is going to be the number one option in that offense, or do you think it's still Waller? Uh, no, I think Waller's still number one option, absolutely, uh, as far as reliable targets. I think, but those as far as explosive playmaker, Ruggs has that written all over him. And I think that, you know, receivers sometimes take a year or two to adjust to the NFL. Ruggs is one of those situations. Um, and as far as Darren Waller goes, I think he's still the number one guy. And the thing is, the Raiders don't have enough talent on the receiver end of the thing to where anyone else is going to get that many more targets compared to what Ruggs is capable of. So uh, Ruggs, for his value, absolutely a steal at, uh, you know, 50 wide receiver and one, what, what was he at, 121 right currently. He's going to rise up, but, you know, give him time. He's worth the, he's worth the take. I would say this. If you're, if you're looking at receivers later in the draft, maybe fill in your WR4 spot, I mean, that's a steal. That's a total steal. Yeah, it's a steal. And I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having Rugs as my WR three. I'll take that any day. But on to my sleepers. So I talked about my overvalued guys of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, which leads me to one of my sleepers, which is Antonio Brown. His ADP is one hundred and ten right now, and as I stated earlier, he could very easily move up mm-hmm. to maybe the number two option in that offense you just never know and so if you can get a guy like that at 110 i'd much rather have that than guys like mike evans chris godwin uh, that's my first sleeper uh, another one i'm going to go with uh, jarvis landry his adp is 118 and it's i don't think i've ever seen jarvis landry rank that low that in the adp yeah. and we know that baker mayfield you know he likes him some Odell Beckham Jr., but the chemistry isn't always that great. But bottom line is that's going to be a really good offense. And we like, on this show, we like good players and good offenses. And so if you can get a guy like Jarvis Landry at 118, I'm all over that. That's much better than reaching for a guy like, oh, let's say Amari Cooper at ADP 45. Well, in your AD, and you're not your ADP, but your your expected receiving numbers for PPR situations for Jarvis, a minimum of 70 catches, no matter what. Because for his career, he's, he, has to add, he had the most catches ever in his first four years as a receiver. And so even last year with the Browns, it's 72 um, on less targets. So I think if you give him more targets here in this situation – he still rise up way above that ADP. So that's that's a good pick, Jason. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I agree. Um, so, all right, guys. Mine is Will Fuller for the Miami Dolphins. ADP at 117. Uh, this is a guy that's serving the one-game suspension, right? So assuming he stays healthy, he's actually going to be part of this wide receiving core with the Dolphins. I'm not a big fan of Tua. Uh, everybody probably knows, but I think he provides great depth for this team. Um, so an injury concern, of course, is always the issue. But if you look at his stats back in 2020 here with Houston when he did play, 
Uh, his tar- his targets were uh, were between usually five to eight. Uh, a couple games he had eleven. His yards were always close to that fifty to hundred mark. Um, and the guy had touchdowns. The guy was always in the game. Like he was always making plays. Um, if we also look here, uh, last year the Dolphins had only one person break a hundred targets. And that was Devontae Parker with 103. Mm-hmm. So obviously this wide receiving core can't stay healthy. And right now none of them are healthy. They're all hurt. But they added Jalen Waddle. They added Jalen Waddle. Who's hurt? Waddle's hurt. Devontae Parker's hurt. Uh, these guys, like they're going to be bouncing around all over the place in wide receiver. And if you get this guy around the 117 or later, he's, he's going to be a pretty good depth guy for you in the receiver range. So I, I'd say look here. Look at Will Fuller, guys. Yes, he has that one-game suspension, but I wouldn't hold it against him here. Uh, especially when you get them towards the end of your end of the draft. Hey, I always say young quarterback's best friend's a tight end. So uh, I think Mike Gesicki would be the guy to keep an eye out to for yeah, the Dolphins yeah. team. Yeah, by the way, if all those guys are injured, it's going to be the Gesicki and Miles Gaskin show. That's where all your passes are going to go. Yeah, very, very, very possible. And Gaskin, for PPR's sake, great point. I think he will put up numbers in PPR for the Dolphins at least. So, um but any any uh, any more sleepers for you guys to throw out to the fantasy world before we do our draft next week? Uh, I don't have any sleepers right now. I do have a comment here on YouTube for fantasy. What's our comment? So the Chosen Rose here said, I have the 12th pick in 12-team league, so similar to Jason. Um, he is thinking of two of the three uh, guys to pick, Eckler, Gibson, uh, Najee, uh, and then usually Ridley Adams Hill is available as well. But he feels he can wait on to trying to get Robert Woods as well. So he's, he's trying to think here, who is he going to go with on that 12th pick? And I know you're so, so in the same position. Well. So basically he really wants Robert Woods. He really wants Robert Woods. From the understanding. Correct. So you have to wait till you know, your, your second come around, obviously. not You're not taking him I wouldn't take back. him first round. You're not going to no. take him 12 or 13. You're going to have to wait for that one. But, Jason, you have, you have 12 in our league. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you, what is your theory or thought behind what you, or question? Are you going running back or are you going receiver? I mean, this year I think everybody has to go running back heavy first three rounds. That's what I'm doing with the 12th overall pick. Um, I I like the thought of Robert Robert Woods. I'm actually a Robert Woods guy, and I like him even more this year. Um, If you can get him, I mean, you're going to get that uh, back-to-back pick there in the fourth and fifth round. So, yeah, by all means, I I would go with Robert Woods at that spot. You would go Robert Woods. Okay. Yeah, if that's your WR1, if you've gone running back heavy. But I will throw out there, you know, if guys like Stephon Diggs or, you know, Tyreek Hill happen to drop into that 12th spot. Devontae Adams. Or Devontae Adams, you've got to be willing to go wide receiver with that number 12 overall pick. But outside of that, you got to go running back, running back, and probably running back in the third round. So, well. so whoa, that, so that, you're skipping on a lot of receivers at that point. If you did three running backs in a row, I think you're going to be putting yourself in a hard position. It's, it's just a deep draft, and, and we've all talked about this before. As far as wide receivers, I mean, they go deep this year. And so, yeah, if, you, if, you, if I've got Robert Woods okay. as my WR1 and I am stacked – with three running backs that I can start every single week, I'm good so, with that. So which which running back would you take, though, at the 12th spot? Would you take Eckler, Gibson, or not Najee? Uh, I would go with Eckler, okay. but that's just me. I'm in a full-point PPR this year, mm-hmm. and so I like what he, he brings to the table, especially with Justin Herbert now I mean, um, in his second year. I, I would go with Eckler, but, uh, you know, Najee Harris is going to catch a lot of passes as well. So, I mean, you can't yeah. go wrong. Honestly, with any of those three guys, I'll throw Antonio Gibson in there. But if somebody's holding a gun to my head, yeah, I would take Austin Eckler. And the to- the top two there are better receiving backs. Gibson uh, also played a lot of receiver, as a matter of fact, in his college days. Um, but so between him also and Eckler, those are two phenomenal PPR solutions. So if you guys are drafting in a standard league, I think that makes Najee Harris more important because I think you'll see more ground game where Benny Snell might catch more passes for the Steelers. But at the end of the day, for me, if Clyde's there in that spot, I don't care. Clyde. I don't care what the projections say, guys. Clyde should be your your pick if you're picking at the end of the first round. I would go Clyde over Eckler's uh, a good debate, but I'd go Clyde over 
Gibson or Harris, no matter what. And I, I agree with you. I had Clyde in the mix the whole time. In fact, I was probably going to draft him in our league mm-hmm. until the injury hit. Right. It's and frustrating. So it's very frustrating. But I, I don't think it's going to be serious. But you got to ask yourself, okay, am I going to lose his production You know, week one, week two, week three? Who knows? I mean, I want a guy that's healthy right now that I can plug into my lineup and be able to depend on. And for me, that, that could be any of those other three guys. I, so, can't, I can't necessarily depend on Clyde in, in week one and week two. So if you take Clyde early, just grab Daryl later and just make that your handcuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely, except for the fact that, that Daryl is injured as well. <laughs> so I've got a problem with that. But so, Well, they'll figure something know. out. I mean, we have yeah. some injury-prone guys across, but Jerk McKinnon's yeah. always injured. Clyde's always injured. We'll just have, we'll just have a tight yeah, play running back. If you, Three if you, Chiefs on the same team. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you grab one of these guys, just draft, you can get both of their backups. <laughs> and that, that reminds me of another sleeper that I didn't mention, a uh, couple of guys. Um, we always like to talk about good running, you know, mediocre running backs on good teams. You got to throw Zach Moss and Devin Singletary yes. out there because they, they have an ADP of 106 and 122. I mean, fuck, draft both of them. Yeah. I mean, they're going because deep. Even if you don't like the talent of those two players, right. it's a great fucking team, and you want to get touchdowns if you're mm-hmm. in fantasy. So yeah. just pick one of them, yeah. or you don't have to pick both of them. But that can be your RB four five. Yeah, and you're exactly. Happy. You're you're good at that point. Yep. So then it's no big deal. But uh, you guys, okay. So out there listening right now in the land, YouTube land and Spotify land, we're about to switch over to our AFC South breakdown. Um, as we do every week with every division leading up to week one of the NFL season. So we'll be hitting on some Texans, Colts, Jaguars, and Titans. So yeah. I'll be doing that on TikTok, as a matter of fact. Give us a follow on TikTok at Sports Buffoons. Is that correct, Tanner? Right. Correct. And then as well as hit our subscribe here. We'd appreciate it very, very much. And as well as the like button. Um, yeah. Let, us, let we'll, us know your thoughts, too, guys. Who yeah. do you think are sleepers out there that are really deep, and who do you you know maybe overrated? So. We'll be here all year long. So we, we are very excited for the NFL season kicking off. We're getting very, very close. Um, Tanner and I, I know for a fact, we'll be hanging out a lot during some game days and be doing pregame and postgame shows. I'm um, hoping Jason can come along as well for a couple of those. Um, but that's going to be, you know, our, our forte throughout the season is hitting up on some TikTok work and putting out some information to f- for fantasy as well as our actual Chiefs takes as well Correct. throughout the season. So I'm just pumped for using that as a platform to uh, speak to you guys, and it seems so far that everyone's enjoying it. So yeah. follow yeah. along and uh, have a good time with us. So uh, any more comments, you guys? Because uh, I'm, I'm done here. I'm good. We out. We are out. I will see you all on the next one. See you guys. <laughs>